Our text this morning is found in John chapter 6, verses 30 through 51. John chapter 6, verses 30 through 51. We're going to see some of, uh, some of the same themes that Kirk just read in our passage. John 6, 30 through 51. These are the words of the living God. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. And yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for gathering us together in your house today to be instructed by you, to learn from you, to be taught by you. We pray that you would do that, uh, just that, by your spirit, that you would open our ears so that we would hear our eyes, so that we would see in our hearts, so that we would understand. In Jesus' name, amen. In our passage today, we learn about the uh, nature of true saving faith. Have you ever ran into somebody who is just dull of understanding? I mean, it, it seems like no matter what you say to them, it just doesn't get through, right? And when you say things uh, and you're trying to explain yourself, they kind of look at you with this befuddled look on your face and like you're speaking to them in some other language. As we will see in our passage Today, there is a difference between seeing things physically and seeing things spiritually. Seeing things that are just mere surface level and seeing what's actually underneath or behind it all. 
And this difference means the difference between coming to God for the right reason and coming to God for the wrong reason. It means the difference between receiving blessing from God and cursing. And at the end of the day, it ultimately means the difference between life and death, eternal. Our passage today is about the bread of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The bread of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we will see, there are those who only look for bread. Hear that? There are those who only look for bread. That is physical bread or what's on the surface, and as a result, they perish. And there are those who look for true bread. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who look for true bread truly eat bread. That is, they eat bread that sustains their life eternal. So let's look at that back in verses 30 through 34. Two kinds of people, really. Those who see spiritually and those who do not. Those who kind of see things always on a surface level uh, and those who see underneath. Those who see everything temporally and those who look for the eternal implications of what's being said. We'll see that in our passage. Starting back in verse 30. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? So just a little bit of context for the question that they're asking here. This discussion follows right on the heels of our sermon from last week. If you remember, we said last week that Jesus had fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread, and as a result, they wanted to take him and make him into king by force. And so he sends uh, the crowds out, and then he sends the disciples out into the Sea of Galilee, sends them away, and... As we saw, Jesus comes to the disciples in the Sea of Galilee, and he rescues them because they run into a storm uh, while they are there. Well, those people uh, who originally ate uh, the bread uh, realize that Jesus and the disciples have left, and so they go looking for them. They get into their boats, and they go over to the other side, and when they find Jesus, they say, when did you come over here, essentially? And, and Jesus basically says to them, look, you, you didn't come over here looking for me, because you saw the miracles, but because you ate your fill of bread, because you filled your bellies. See, Jesus realized that they were only following him because he fed them. You hear that? They're only following him because he fed them physically. So they ask him for another sign, as if turning five loaves of bread into enough food to feed 5,000 people wasn't enough. They say, if you're the one, you've got to do more than that. Uh, Look at verse uh, 30 again. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Uh, Jesus is telling them here they need to put their trust in him for all things and not just some, and they're asking him to prove himself. Uh, They they say uh, Moses uh, provided food for the people for 40 years every day. Uh, If you're the Messiah, essentially, if you're the Messiah, you can do better than that, obviously. Now again, these people have come to Jesus for the wrong reason. Uh, they want bread and not God. They want a, uh, a miracle worker and not an all-sufficient provider. They want one that's going to give them everything that they need, not one that's going to demand of them everything. <clears throat> Jesus quickly points them to the fact that it was not Moses that gave them the bread in the wilderness, but it was God. And that bread itself in the wilderness was pointing to something else, something greater, namely Jesus Christ, the bread from heaven, the bread of God, uh, uh, that would give them everything that they need, including bread. Um, Jesus says the bread of God is he. 
He personalizes it, right? The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven to give life to the world, pointing to himself. He says, I am the one that gives you bread from heaven. I am the thing that the bread was pointing to all along. That's what he's saying to them, essentially. And they say, sir, give us this bread always. (laughs) Now, at this point, are they actually picking up what Jesus is putting down? Are they actually... um, understanding the implications, the spiritual implications behind the things that Jesus says? No. Um, They are still looking at Jesus as sort of this uh, first century um, government welfare official that's going to give them everything that they need. (laughs) Uh, They're like, this is great. You know, he's going to provide bread for us whenever we need it. We're not going to have to work anymore, right? Jesus is going to give us a handout, And friends, in the church, we have to be careful uh, because many times I think we are the same way. You know, many uh, people a lot of times will come to God just because he will give them the things that they need. Uh, Sometimes people will come to church um, because they lost their job or they're looking for a new house or they're looking for a girlfriend or they're trying to find healing or something like this. It's a strange thing. Um, I have friends on the internet uh, who are self-proclaimed atheists, and whenever their loved one goes into the hospital, they are quickly, and they normally don't want anything to do with God, but as soon as the loved one's in the hospital, they're on there asking for prayers, and they add good vibes and all this other stuff too. Um, or if one of their uh, loved ones dies, uh, you will see them saying things like, You know, normally they they live perverted lives, they don't want anything to do with God, but their loved one dies, and all of a sudden, they're up in heaven, and they're going to see them one day. They're up there with the angels and all these other things. It's just, it's an interesting phenomenon, because God gives us what we need, right? Um, Think about after 9-11, interesting thing happened, the church pews were filled after the terrorist attack on our nation. That next Sunday, churches were filled. But... Before you knew it, people went back to their old lives and forgot about what had happened. And I think this is a real danger in the church. Uh, We have to be careful not to allow our natural desires to control the relationship that uh, we have with God. Uh, We are not to come to Jesus just because he gives him things or when uh, uh, when we need something from him. It's not like Jesus is the sort of God that we kind of keep in our back pocket and pull him out whenever we need something, right? Jesus is not that kind of God. We don't come to Jesus just to get our religious fix. Friends, I think we, a lot of times in the church, will um, think that we're doing our due diligence if we come in here on Sunday morning and punch our ticket, right? We've showed up to church and we've done the worship thing, but then we go out there for the rest of the Week And there's a total disconnect between the relationship that we have with God here on Sunday morning and the relationship that we have with him for the rest of the week. And it's not supposed to be that way. We are to depend on Christ wholly for all things in every circumstance, spiritual and physical. Uh, he is not just our God on Sunday morning. He is our God 24-7, Sunday to Sunday, 365. So if we're just looking for an experience or some sort of a temporary fix, then Sunday morning will do. But if we are looking for eternal healing, eternal rest, eternal blessing, eternal 
life, then we must trust in Christ wholly for all things and in every circumstance. And that means not just on Sunday morning, but every day, in every way, and in all things. Uh, Look at verses 35 and 36 with me. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Okay, a couple things. First, he says, I am the bread of life. Now, that must have been shocking to them. Here they are thinking Jesus is going to uh, give them bread for the rest of their lives to eat, and he says, I am that bread. (laughs) Kind of a radical claim. Then he tells them, if you come to me, he he tells them if they come to him, they will never hunger again, and if they believe in him, they will never thirst again. That's a pretty awesome statement. If you come to him, you'll never hunger again. If you believe in him, you'll never thirst again. So what do you think that they are making of all of this? Again, Jesus is like this uh, official of a government welfare problem. They think he's going to give them a handout. They still don't get it. They have seen him, but they don't believe. They've seen him, but they don't believe. There's a disconnect. In other words, they don't see the spiritual implications of what he's been saying. Whenever Jesus speaks, all they take away is physical, tangible applications. They don't see Jesus as the one who is going to provide for them everything that they need as their all-sufficient provider. They don't look underneath the things that Jesus is saying to find the true meaning behind his statements. Today, we would say that it went right over their heads, or it sort of blew past them, right? Now, why are they not getting the things that he is saying? They are easy enough to understand, right? And if they knew the story of the manna and the wilderness, they would know that they were supposed to have learned something from that story, but they didn't. Why not? Well, because their hearts were in the wrong place. They were looking at everything physically instead of spiritually. But why is that? Uh, Why were they looking at everything physically instead of spiritually? Why were they not getting what Jesus was saying? Is it because they grew up on the wrong side of the tracks or they were from you know, a different, uh, another family who didn't explain these sorts of things to them? Is it, is it because they had a bad upbringing? No. What does Jesus say here? Look at verses 37 and 40. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So here we see in these verses that we are let in on the secret counsel of God. Jesus says that the reason that he came is to do the Father's will. So Jesus is going to tell us something here about the Father's plan. He's telling us about a plan that God made in eternity past, which includes the church, the body of Christ. He says, all that the Father has given to me will come to me. You hear that? All that the Father has given to me 
will come to me. So there is a people that the Father has given to Jesus, and those people will come to him. Right? Then he says he was sent to do the will of the Father. So Jesus comes on a mission to accomplish his Father's will. And what is the Father's will? That he loses nothing that the Father gives to him. In other words, there is a people in time and in history that the Father is going to give to Jesus. They will come to him, and he will save them perfectly and completely from beginning till end. He raises them up on the last day. They come to him, and he raises them up on the last day. That's salvation in a nutshell. All right? And they will come, and they will be saved. And how does he identify those people? It is those who look on Jesus and believe. So are you looking to Jesus and believing in him? Then you are one of those people. It is those who look on Jesus and believing in him. You see, the problem with the Jews in Jesus' day is that they saw Jesus, they saw the miracles that he performed, but they didn't see him for who he truly was and all that he had to offer them. They were missing something. They were seeing everything physically and not spiritually. And why? Because they are not part of the people that God is giving to the Son. They do not see Jesus for who he is and all he has to offer. Now, when Jesus says these things, those unbelieving Jews began to grumble among themselves. They start grumbling. Look at uh, verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So, of course, they begin to grumble when he says this. Why? Again, because they do not see spiritually. When he says that he is the bread who comes down from heaven, they don't say, oh, great, here's the Savior. He's the one that's going to give us everything that we need. They begin to reason within themselves, and they say, well, we know his mother, and we know his father. There's no way he could have came down from heaven. So Jesus here is claiming divine origin, and they're like, no way. Right? Why? Again, Jesus clearly states the problem. The Jews to whom he is speaking are not being drawn by the Father. That's the problem. He says, no one, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. What does it mean? What does it uh, mean to be drawn by the Father? The word drawn means to pull in or to drag or to lead by force. Later on in John's gospel, uh, he uses it to describe what happens when Jesus tells them to cast the net on the right side of the boat. They drag the fish back into the boat. And Luke uses the word in the book of Acts to describe what happened to Paul and Silas. Uh, It says that they were um, seized and dragged into the marketplace before the rulers. And Jesus here tells us that no one can come to him unless the Father draws them. Now, how does the Father draw people? It says right here in verse 45, It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So it is not a dragging, and kick, uh, a dragging kicking, and screaming, but rather... Uh, a drawing through convincing. In other words, God convinces the mind and heart of the individuals that he's drawing by his spirit that Jesus is who he says he is. And when they begin to realize these things, 
by his grace, they come to him freely. They are compelled to do so. So the problem with the Jews that Jesus is speaking to is they are not being drawn. They are not being convinced by the Father through the Spirit that Jesus is who he says he is. Therefore, when Jesus speaks, they don't understand the things that he's saying. Why? Because the Father's not teaching them. God is not teaching those things to them, so they don't understand them. They're trying through a mere human understanding to comprehend the things that can only be understood by a supernatural work of God's grace. Paul says something very similar in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, the natural, the natural man does not understand the things of God. This is essentially what he says. Natural man in his flesh, without the work of the Spirit, doesn't understand the things of God. They're foolishness to him. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. Because the Spirit must reveal the things of God to the natural man, or he does not understand them. And that's what Jesus is saying here. That is the problem with the Jews in Jesus' day. Now, friends, there are many things that we can do in our own strength, but none of it will ever amount to anything in the kingdom of God unless God gives energy to it. Uh, human beings are very capable creatures. God has created us with uh, reasonable not, uh, minds and bodies that are able to do amazing things. We can take our hands and our minds and we can create music. Uh, we can paint beautiful pictures. We can build skyscrapers, rocket ships, robots, and telescopes. We can build iPhones, iPads, iPods, and all the rest. Even as Christians, you think of some of the things that Christians have done in the world. We've done some amazing things with our hands. We've built these cathedrals that are beautiful and glorious for the glory of God. We've built churches. Uh, we've built orphanages, hospitals, shelters. Even here in our own church, we've built this basement, this beautiful basement downstairs for children to come and learn and be discipled. And listen, friends, unless God gives energy to our efforts, it will all be for naught. Unless God draws people by his Spirit, they will not come and fill these church pews or those classrooms downstairs. Not for the right reasons, anyway. And that is the point that is being made. None of this stuff that we do has any real significance unless God is in it. God has to be at work in it to give energy to it in order for it to last. Does that make sense? But if God is at work in our midst, then the things that we do have eternal implications. Friends, the only things that will last forever are the things that are done for the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is eternal. But here's the thing. You cannot even see the kingdom of God, let alone enter into it, according to John chapter 3, unless you're born again. You, you can't even see it, let alone enter in. Um, and that is what we're talking about here. The problem is not with our physical capabilities. We have those. The problem is moral. The problem is spiritual. We have a moral and a spiritual inability. And this is why people do not truly come to, to God. This is why people do not come to God for the right reasons. Ever since the fall of man, men are born in sin, and so they do not do, they cannot do in and of themselves that which is pleasing in God's sight. They cannot come to Jesus in the right way and for the right reasons. And that is why he says... No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. We need a supernatural work of God's grace to take, heart, uh, take place in our hearts for us to even begin to see the truth of God's word rightly. And we need that same work of God's grace to be done in us in order 
for us to serve him with the right motives, right ambitions, and right intentions. Because any other way, we do them for selfish motives, selfish ambitions, and selfish intentions because we're sinners. So we're inclined towards evil. But we need a work of God's grace to help us to do that which is right and that which is pleasing in his sight. It's like the people in our story today, they wanted to fill their bellies. It's all they wanted, right? They came to Jesus for some food. He fed them, he gave them bread, they came back. They wanted some more food. But when God intervenes and draws us by his grace, we see Jesus for who he truly is and all that he has to offer, and we begin to do things, all that we do, because we love him, and that is what we need. As a Christian, we must pray and depend upon God solely um, to help us serve him by his grace. As a Christian, we must depend upon God wholly to give life to the things that we do. We must pray and depend upon God solely for him to give life to the people who are around us and who are in this town uh, around us today. We must pray for God to do that work in order for them to see Jesus rightly for who he is and all that he has to offer. Okay, finishing up in verses 46 through 51 now. He says, Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Excuse me. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Okay, so here Jesus makes it plain. He is the bread of life. He is the bread that comes down from heaven. And the bread of heaven here refers to his flesh, which he gives for the life of the world. In other words, Jesus in his offering up of himself is the bread of life. And all those who partake of Jesus by faith, all those who believe in Jesus, receive the benefits that come to us from his death. He says, anyone who believes has eternal life, in verse 47. Did you pick up on that? Anyone who believes has eternal life. That is how we partake of the benefits, by believing on Jesus. But then in verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So here, what is Jesus doing? He is equating eating with believing. Believing with eating. In other words, to believe is to partake of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. So there are those who actually see the spiritual implications of what Jesus is saying. The bread, which, by the way, is food that sustains physical life, points beyond it to something greater, namely Jesus Christ, the bread from heaven, the bread of God, who sustains our eternal life. Right? Bread is pointing beyond it to something greater, to Christ. You see, many of those Israelites in the wilderness who partook of the manna only received the physical benefits that came from it. As a matter of fact, many of them never even stepped foot into the promised land. They died in the wilderness. And why is this? Because they were unbelieving. Remember the story, we went over it not too long ago. God says, I'm giving you the promised land. Go in and take it. Giving it to you. So they go, and when they get there, what happens? There's giants in the land, and they get scared. Right? They say we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And so they're unbelieving. Uh, They don't believe the promises of God, and they're unwilling to go in and do what God has told them to do. And they rebel against God. They do not do what God said. 
They don't believe it, and as a result, they die. And it's the same here. If you believe what God says about Jesus, you get something better than just physical bread. Right? If you believe what God says about Jesus, you get something better than just physical bread, which sustains physical life. You get spiritual food, which sustains your eternal life. But if you're unbelieving, it's just bread. Um, And at the end of the day, you will perish along with that bread, which is perishable. It cannot sustain your life forever. The main difference here is between things that are temporal and things that are eternal, right? Things that are merely just physical and things that are spiritual. There's a, a bread that you can eat in this world that will sustain your physical life for a time, but in the end, you will perish. But there is a bread that lasts forever, a bread that keeps on giving, a bread that nourishes unto eternal life. It is the bread from heaven, the bread of God, a Jesus Christ. Jesus gives his flesh in death so that those who come to him in faith might partake of his life and live. So it's as Augustine had said, those who have believed have eaten already. That's what Augustine, if you've believed, you have eaten already. That is, you spiritually partake of the benefits of eternal life that come to us from the very body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You partake if you have believed by faith. One of the ways in which we partake of this grace on a regular basis is here at the Lord's Supper. At the Lord's Supper, when we eat the bread and drink the wine by faith, God lifts us into heaven by his Spirit, and we partake of the grace and the life that is found in the very body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through this meal that God nourishes us and sustains us so that we might continue to follow him, so that we might continue to do that which is right in his sight so that we might continue to walk in faithfulness. So this is not a bare memorial. We're not just remembering what Christ has done here. But God is at work here through this meal to communicate grace to us. But it is for those who believe. So as we transition to our time of the Lord's Supper, I would ask the elders who are going to help serve to come forward.